Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays on the Podbean app, which you can download onto your smartphone. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N, and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866-609-3711. And this is episode 51 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Wednesday, December 22nd. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious last November's presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't let me say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, unfiltered, and we're not afraid to mention the January 6th political prisoners. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. All right, before we get to the news and big news about January 6th, if you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA, that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Don't worry, Red River experts are still right here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has an Explore Payment Options button. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options that you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com. You'll be glad you did. All right. Now, that having been said, we have talked from time to time about the January 6th political prisoners situation. And I'm looking at a a website called PatriotFreedomProject.com, which says, the lives of the men and women being politically persecuted for standing up to what they believe was a fraudulent election is being destroyed. There are women and children literally in peril because of the wrongful detention of their husbands and fathers. There are children without a dad at home, and we as Americans must rally around these families and help today. The political prisoners are suffering inhumane, disgusting, unsanitary conditions in these jails. Some of the January 6th detainees are veterans and active military who are being horribly mistreated. This is not the American way. We're supposed to live in a country where you're innocent until proven guilty. These men should be out on bond so they can support their families. Sadly, 
this government wants to continue to exact revenge on Donald J. Trump so badly that his supporters have now become collateral damage. Patriot Freedom Project was started to provide financial, emotional, and moral support to the families. To date, they have been able to help the families pay many bills and cover the costs of various emergent financial needs. In addition, Patriot Freedom Project has been able to supply back-to-school needs for the January 6th children. This platform is to help those who are suffering from various political attacks and financial hardship as a result of tyranny. There are not many nonprofits out there to support the conservative narrative. There are young children who have not only been separated from their dads, but they witnessed raids upon their homes, watched their mothers cry in horror as their fathers were taken away in handcuffs. Patriot Freedom Project.com will provide the much-needed emotional and therapeutic support these kids are now in need of. We must speak out. We need to stand up and demand the release of all the political prisoners now. All right, that having been said, uh, Producer Mansour, if you could uh, if you could uh, put Cynthia Hughes online with us, if you could uh, connect us to her, uh, we'd like to know what Ms. Hughes, who started the Patriot Freedom project has to say this morning so if you could just funnel her call through that would be appreciated okay while we're waiting for that to happen uh, here we go here we go here we go very good very good uh cynthia hughes welcome to the doc washburn show how are you this morning i'm great i'm great thank you for having me well thanks for coming on i just read on the air uh the verbiage from the um from the, the, the main webpage, the main webpage of your Patriot Freedom uh, Project.com website. And we thank you for doing what so few people are, which is speaking up for these, these political prisoners. Uh, how did you come to be involved in this project? Um, I had a nephew who has been in lo- uh, lockup there in D.C. since January. Uh, oh, my. He's been in D.C. since February 3rd. He got arrested January 17th. Oh my goodness! Wow! 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 Um, so you uh, uh, so you started this project shortly thereafter. Yeah, I um, he was arrested. He was sent to D.C. Uh, in February. He got COVID. He was in solitary confinement, like the rest of the men. Um, and then I saw a really fantastic journalist on TV talking out on behalf of the families, and that was Julie Kelly from American Greatness. Oh, yeah. So I kicked with Julie, and uh, I spoke with Julie for a little while and, and uh, told her I wanted to do something. She was very encouraging and helpful, and, um, and I came up with a plan to start a family support group, and that evolved into the Patriot Freedom Project. Wow, wow, wow. You know, there are only a handful of people in Congress who even mention these guys, um, President Trump has mentioned them a couple of times, but it, you know when people ask me when they find out what's going on, you know, to the January six prisoners, and they're like, "Well, how can I help? How can I give?" Up until we found out about your website just a few days ago, I, I didn't know what to tell them. Um, so what 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 are you what are you doing with Patriot Freedom uh, Project, and how can people? help because these 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 guys are being treated horribly oh yeah they really are they they just were in lockdown for the past three days they just came out of lockdown there's some talk 
out of the jail this morning, that they might put them in lockdown again during Christmas and during New Year's, keeping them again from speaking to their family, their wives, their children. It's, it's truly disgusting. Um, prior to uh, where I'm at right now, I started a family support group, evolved into Patriot Freedom Project. The focus was to take care of the families. Yeah. You have a lot of wives here who, you know, have lost income. Some were not working because they were, the, you know, the care, you know, caretaker for the babies, the children, and now they're working not one but two jobs. Oh my! Um, so we we wanted to make sure that those families were taken care of. So we have been able to help through the foundation, uh, pay rent and mortgage and utilities and car payments. We were able to make sure that, um, um, you know, they had gift cards and, and monetary gifts for Christmas. Uh, to, you know, to shop for their children, for themselves, their families, food shop, and, you know, be very taken care of. But then um, we realized very quickly that there are a lot of cases of the detainees who have public defenders who are not doing a good job. Right. So we launched a legal defense part of um, Patriot Freedom Project, and I work very closely with Joe McBride. I don't know if you know who Joe McBride is, but he yeah, is. Yeah, the, uh, the, the attorney um, for, for several of them, I've had him on. When, when I did, used to do a local radio talk show in Little Rock, I had him on my program. He was talking about the uh, Richard Barnett case and a couple other cases. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, he is. Joe Joe is just, <laughs> there's not enough words to describe how incredible he is. Everybody should have an attorney like Joseph McBride. Everybody. Um, but that's not possible. And, you know, these cases require a lot. They require a good attorney. They require, um, you know, investigating uh, investigators, researchers, uh, experts, paralegals, legal secretaries. We require, you know, all hands on deck, all boots on ground. And that's what we need. We need volunteers. We need criminal defense attorneys to come forward, uh, criminal, de- criminal defense paralegals to come forward, and donors. We have to fund these lawyers so we can get all these power, uh, um, public defenders off the cases and replace them with our own attorneys. So we're trying to build a coalition of, you know, criminal defense attorneys to take on these cases and win because yeah. that's what we need. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, what came out uh, a few days ago, um, uh, Darren J. Beatty's uh, website had part two on uh, the, the feds that were there. And it's, you know, January 6th, this whole thing looks like a setup. And they're, they're trying to, I think, politically persecute people just for supporting Donald J. Trump and, and teach everybody a, a, a lesson. And uh, it's, it's horrific. Um, now, so I, you know, I'm hearing that some of these guys in, in prison, they're, they're making it very, very difficult uh, for them to even um, see their attorneys, the the attorneys that they that they do have, right? That's true. That's very true. Wow, um, it's, it's very hard for them to schedule, you know, legal calls. They don't have privacy with their lawyers. They they don't have access to their discovery. Um, when their lawyers try to visit them, um, you know, they're waiting two, three, four hours before they can get in to see their client. And, and also, remember, these guys that are in D.C., we have guys in Virginia, we have guys spread out around the country, they are forbidden to see their families. Now, whether that's the condition of the entire jail, that might be one thing, but they're not even providing, like, a video visit. These men in D.C. have not seen their wives or their children, their mothers, their fathers, sisters, brothers, whatever, 
since January. Mm. Mm. By the way, the, the website, revolver.news, the, uh, the new uh, Meet Ray Epps Part 2, damning new details emerge, exposing massive web of unindicted operators at the heart of January 6th. There are a whole lot of people that were basically orchestrating Got to get into the Capitol. Get into the Capitol, and 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 getting the uh, uh, getting the barriers out of the way, and the signs saying no trespassing out of the way. So when people were coming back from the Trump rally, by the time they got there, they had no idea that they were getting into trouble just walking onto the grounds of the of the U.S. Capitol. And a lot of these guys have been set up. But the idea that that they're they're not allowed to see family, the idea that they make it almost impossible for them to see their their lawyers, and, and then. Cynthia, I, I hear from time to time when a lawyer does try to get uh, bail for a client, these radical prosecutors out of Biden's Justice Department tell a radical judge, well, look, this guy would be a danger uh, to the community if he's out on bond because he agrees with Trump on the election. And, oh, okay, the judge is like, oh, okay, well, when's the trial coming up? Oh, maybe sometime next year. Okay, keep him in jail. Um, this is not justice as... As we, as Amer- uh, as as we, as citizens of the United States of America, uh, expect that this is outrageous. Well, and and you're right. You're 100 percent right. And so, just th- this past Monday, um, Joe McBride had a had a bond hearing for one of his clients. It was a four hour hearing. He 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 argued for this man's release so profoundly, so perfectly. Every he he didn't miss a beat. And everything that he said was 100% right. And that judge did not follow the rule of law. Had he followed the rule of law, that man would be home with his wife and his children right now. And granted, um, I, I guess, you know, some of the, the, the video they played during the hearing, okay, it, I, I, you know, nobody wants to hear certain things. But the man's history and the man's life does not match maybe a couple of things that he said that were inappropriate or insensitive on January 6th. Yeah. That's not who he was prior to January 6th. It's not who he is now. And yet that's what they're holding against him. One day, one single day out of his entire life. He is a decorated Marine. He has two young children. He has a family. He's never broken the law. He has no criminal history. He has a nonprofit where he rescues people and animals during hurricane situations. But because of words that he said on January 6th, no matter how great his lawyer was, Doc, they're not going to let him out because they're not going to follow the rule of law. And that is what we're dealing with. And that is why we need every lawyer in this country that is against what is going on to come forward pro bono and help us take these cases on. Joe needs all the help he can get right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and so do these, uh, these people who are political prisoners. Um, you know, a lot of times people say that uh, uh, it seems like the uh, the Biden regime is like the the third term of Obama, and um, a lot of people don't know their history. It might be the third term of Woodrow Wilson. Uh, Wilson, in his second term, had a lot of political prisoners, and Warren Harding ran for president in 1920 uh, on the uh, slogan "Return to Normalcy," by which he meant, "If you elect me, I will set free the hundred thousand political prisoners that Woodrow Wilson put in." in prison for disagreeing with him politically. And this is, this is, I believe what's going on here. It it really is. So, um, it's patriot freedom project.com. 
What else can you tell my listeners that they're not hearing from the mainstream media, that they're not even hearing from Fox News, for that matter, about how these guys are being treated? Well, let me let me just point on what you just said really quick. Sure. You know, you're right. This is the third uh, the third Obama term. He he told us himself during several interviews when uh, you know Joe Schmidt was running for president and campaigning. Um, but you know, this is also the third impeachment. Nobody wants us, me, you, you know, the people that do support Donald Trump to support him, and right. his support base is bigger than ever. Yeah, we would like. We would like to we would like to hear him speak out a little bit more in support of these guys yeah. because these guys really are, are are truly political prisoners, as you say. They've lived in solitary confinement conditions. They have uh, horrible food. Um, they can't shave. They can't get religious services. They are in random lockdowns where they go days without taking showers. I mean, these guys are having to go to their their hearings, their status hearings, um, you know, their bond hearings with very long beards. You're talking about veterans, veterans who are used to being clean cut, you know, close shaved, nice, uh, you know, uh, short haircut, you know, wearing, you know, a belt and their shirt tucked in. These guys are being treated like they are, you know, you know, scum of the earth. I, I hate to use those choice of words. And they're not. These are husbands. These are fathers. These are sons, brothers, cousins, friends. These are men who you didn't hear about prior to January 6th. And you didn't hear about them because they were not bad people. They are not bad people. They went to the Capitol that day to support their president, to support their commander in chief. And this was the result of it. And it's a shame. It's really a shame. And you're right. Where are the Republicans and the GOP? Why are they not standing up, speaking out? You know why? Because they are spineless. They have no backbone. If they all would rally around Marjorie Taylor Greene, we would have a different outcome right now. These guys would be home for Christmas if these people would get up, stand in, in, you know, in unity with MTG and help her, help us free these men. Now, people can, I, I've got people, uh, I'm seeing live comments here, people saying, how can we help? I mean, you go to the website, patriotfreedomproject.com, right? Yes. You can go to patriotfreedomproject.com. You can donate to our legal defense fund. You can donate to uh, the family fund. We make sure that these families have everything that they need, that their bills are paid, that there's food on their table, that they are getting through holidays, birthdays, emergencies. We have one family right now. Uh, she, ha- she has a broken pipe in her house. She can't even stay in her home right now. She's been in a hotel for nearly two weeks. Her son just turned 18. Her husband's in jail. We had to get a plumber over there to help her get that pipe fixed. She's going to have to have her entire floor broken up. And it's Christmas. It's the week of Christmas. You know, this is what these people are dealing with, and and, and they don't have their husbands home for support and to help them. We have to help them, Doc. We have to pick up the slack, and we have to help them. I encourage anybody who's listening to please go to Patriot Freedom Project and make any donation that you can to continue help, help us continue this fight. You know, and we're speaking with Cynthia Hughes. The website is patriotfreedomproject.com. Ms. Hughes, I know there are a lot of uh, a lot of people of faith who listen to the Doc Washburn Show, and I'm reminded of the verse, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And I think mm-hmm. back to January 5th and January 6th, and I think back to the fact that uh, I wished at that time I didn't have 
a uh, live local radio show that I had to be at in Little Rock, Arkansas, because I would I would have loved to have gone to the Capitol and, and heard Trump speak. And when he said, hey, um, everybody, uh, let's head on over there and, and cheer on the members of Congress who are going to do the right thing and protest peacefully, and I'll go with you, which he didn't. But anyway, um, I would have probably... I don't know if I would have gone into the Capitol, but they're arresting people who didn't even go into the Capitol for being on the grounds, even though there was nothing by the time they got there saying they couldn't be on the grounds. They're arresting people who didn't even go into the Capitol. And I would have been one of those guys. I'd be in jail right now. Absolutely. I come across a lot of people, a lot of people that, you know, that, that reach out to me and write to me that tell me the same thing. There, this, this Biden DOJ is not going to stop arresting people. No, there are over 100 people charged in connection with January 6th event, and they're going to continue, and they're not going to be happy till they till they're in the thousands. That's that's really that's that's a true statement, and that is the fact. And so, two things have to happen now. One, we have to grow our coalition of lawyers to take these cases on and put our own attorneys on these cases. The second thing, every one of us in this country that does not like what's going on and does not like these political uh, imprisonment of these men needs to get out all through 2022 and go and, and uh, support your, your Republican candidate, even if you don't like them. Because come November of 22, that's where we have to take the House back, the Senate back. We have to change everything around. It's yeah. so important. It's probably the most important election of any of our lives. Yes, it is. And I'm sorry, I talked over you there for just a second, and it kind of muted out a couple of syllables. You're saying how many people they've arrested already, some some hundreds? It's over 700. Wow. And and how many of these people are being denied bond? Because I know a handful are out, but, but most of them are still in, right? Uh, well, well, I mean, there's over 700 people that are charged, yeah. you know, with connection. January 6th. So we have about 75 people that are detained. Okay. I'm sorry. At least 70 of those people have been detained since, you know, since January and February. Wow. And a lot of them are charged with nonviolent misdemeanors. Yeah. My nephew is one of them. My nephew is not charged with assault. He is not charged with violence. He is not charged with conspiracy. He has no connection to any of the groups that they speak of. And they won't let him out of jail because of pictures and, you know, uh, insensitive, you know, memes that they found in his phone. Have nothing to do with January 6th. But they want to keep him there. You know, they, they, they want to use people like that, that they can point a finger and say, oh, you're a racist, which they say we all are. Um, sure. But maybe if they come up an insensitive comment or phone uh, picture on the phone or something like that. They want to say, you're, you're a racist. You're a white supremacist. We have to keep you jailed. You don't have a right to, to speak your mind. You don't have, you don't have freedom of speech. They want to do that. They want to, to carry out all the way till November of 22. They need the Democrats. They need this narrative to continue. They think it's going to help them win and stay in power come November. And I'm here to tell you that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No, it's it's not. And um, it's horrifying because in some of your big cities like uh, New York City, Philadelphia, Chicago, uh, 
Portland, L.A., San Francisco. You have people committing violent crimes and being at, let out on little to no bail. I mean, uh, the guy who mowed down the uh, the Christmas parade there in um, uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, was out mm-hmm. on very low bail after allegedly running over the, the mother of his child. Um, yeah. he, so, made, he was offered bonds twice in the same week. Twice in the same week, he was offered bonds. He made bonds the first time on a very low uh, amount after he was accused of running over his mother, the mother to his child. And only a few days later, he took his car and he killed how many people, and he was still offered bonds. And if he can come up with the $5 million, that means he'll be out here to, to enjoy life again. While you have men who don't have criminal history, who've served their country, who are doing everything that they're told, who who didn't do anything prior to January 6th, really didn't do anything on January 6th, yeah. and they can't get out of jail. It's sick. It is sick. It is sick. Um, talking to Cynthia Hughes, the website, of course, is patriotfreedomproject.com to help these families who are being abused by the Biden regime. Uh, Ms. Hughes, I'm, I'm hearing tales that some of the uh, some of the guys in prison have actually been beaten by guards. Can you tell me about that? I I can tell you that um, there have been a few uh, instances where there has been uh, some altercations between some of the defendants and, and, and some of the guards. Um, it, it's not often, and it's not many. It was a you know one or two people, um, and I don't know the full logistics of why, um, but I do know that. Um, he was hurt pretty bad, pretty bad. He's lost eyesight in one of his eyes, and that that's just not okay. No, that's it's just not, not okay in any, any way, shape, or form. You mentioned uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene from Northwest Georgia. She's a freshman member of the U.S. House of Representatives. She has been calling for the warden over the jail in which a lot of the January 60 detainees are being kept. She's been calling for the warden to be fired. Uh, what can you tell my listeners about that? So, you know, think about this, right? How can a, a group of men who are languishing, you know, behind bars in jail for over 11 months, almost a year at this point, right? How can you put your trust in, in the system or in the DOJ, in the public defender, when these people like the warden, the public defenders, the prosecutors, they cannot separate their politics from their job? You, you chose a job in law enforcement. You chose a job in the legal field. You chose a job to serve government. But yet when it comes to this specific group of people, you can't separate your hate for Donald Trump with these people. That's what it always comes down to, Donald Trump. This is these people, even myself, you included if you're a supporter of Donald Trump. We are the collateral damage. There are a ton of children that are collateral damage in this in this quest for, you know, to take down Donald Trump. And um, if we don't have more people speak out like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates, but really only Marjorie Taylor Greene and people like Julie Kelly from American Greatness writing yeah. about this and talking about this every day, what's going to happen? This is very serious. People need to really understand. And the more support that we have here at Patriot Freedom Project, the more support our lawyers here at Patriot Freedom Project have, the better our chances are. But these people, it, you, you can't 
You can't put faith into this system because this system hates Donald Trump. And they let it be known, just like the warden, she let it be known. She said, F all Trump supporters, all Trump supporters are bad, all Trump supporters should die, whatever she said. How can you have faith in the system when you hear stuff like that? Okay, that's how you feel. Fine, that's how you feel. But what you're doing to these men shows that you can't separate your politics from your job. It's really alarming on every level. It is. It is. I'm in the process of putting a link to PatriotFreedomProject.com on my personal Facebook page. I'll probably be suspended uh, for it, but, uh, you know, one way to find out. Uh, maybe, it'll, maybe it'll get by the uh, the so-called fact-checkers. Uh, Facebook admitted the other day in court that their fact-checkers really have nothing to do with facts. It's just opinions. Um, but... You know, we we got to we we really got to go to the wall on this, and we have to remember, there but for the grace of God go I. It could easily okay. be me or you or anybody within the sound of our voices, uh, languishing in these jails, uh, denied bond, for simply not even going inside the Capitol, for simply being on the okay. Capitol grounds because there are no barricades, there are no signs, because federal agents took them down before the Trump speech. You know, uh, a half hour to an hour walk away was even over. And next thing you know, they're combing through this, your social media saying, aha, see, see, he doesn't like Biden, so he's dangerous. So, uh, you know, he likes Trump. He's dangerous. So you got to keep him in jail for a year, a year and a half. It's outrageous yes. to me. It's beyond, it's, it's beyond, it's beyond outrageous. I mean, we're, we're living under a regime that is telling the people in this country, you're not allowed to support the person you chose to vote for that you're not allowed to support the person that you you put your 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 vote behind that's what they're doing and you know and here's the deal you don't win uh texas florida ohio pick up all the seats that he picked up in the house and then lose the presidency right something's not right here and so you cannot get mad at the people that are asking questions and saying we want transparency if you have nothing to hide and you don't think nothing is wrong here Give, give us what we ask for. Because I can tell you, I know most people in this country that are asking for simple transparency, know how to behave, know how to act, and go about their business and accept the results if, in fact, they are what they are. But right. I think we know different. I think we know different. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and this is one of the things I've been saying. Look, you know, we're watching uh, Fox News on election night, and Trump has a healthy lead and the swing states, and all of a sudden, late in the evening, all five swing states stop counting votes at the same time, and you wake up the next morning, and he's behind in all these states? No. No, it's it's ridiculous. Exactly. And you know, you know what that shows? That shows that, that there are, and who knows who they are, but there was a group of people that had a system in place that when maybe they saw he got to a certain number or maybe when they saw he got to a certain, you know, he had enough states and they saw that he was going to win, which he was, which he did, they were going to execute whatever plan it is that they had. We're not stupid, Doc. We're not stupid people. We know what happened. Exactly, exactly. Well, Time Magazine did like a 20-page cover story in February of this year bragging about what happened and how they did it. But they said, oh, no, no, we didn't steal the election. We fortified the election because America just couldn't afford to go through four more years of Trump. But they, they took 20 page, pages to explain how they stole it. 
It's outrageous. Yeah, it's, it's, what they're doing, I, I mean, what they're doing from the, from the election to what happened on January 6th, to what they're doing to the people that are charged in connection with January 6th, it's blatant. They are changing the rule of law. They are changing the amendments. They are not upholding the Constitution. They are they are making up their own their own laws, their own you know terms and conditions, if you will. It's their way or no way. And where what do we do? What do we do? I mean, you have people that are behind bars. Here, I'll give you an example. Last week, after after uh, Marjorie Taylor uh, Greene came out with her first, uh, you know, tweet and and statement about the warden. So for a few days after that, so when the guys are are let out for recreation, which they only get a couple of hours, they get maybe four or five hours a day of recreation. Yeah, and they don't all come out at the same time. So when they come out, their cells are left open. So that throughout their couple of hours, if they're drinking some water, having some coffee, they have access to their cell if they need to use the bathroom. Yeah. So what they did for a whole week, just last week, the guards were shutting the cell doors. So these men, if they needed to use the bathroom, they had no access to a toilet. Oh, boy. Can you imagine? Who does this? And this comes from somewhere. And if people like myself don't get up and speak out and scream from the rooftops and people like you don't allow me to do that, yeah, wh- how do we change it? Yeah. It's an outrage. And it's also an outrage that very few people in Congress are talking about it. It's an outrage that those of us who uh, you know, voted for, for President Trump in, in 2020, and, they, and we know they stole it from him, we're 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 curious as to why he's not making uh, a bigger deal out of this. Uh, it doesn't yeah. it, it doesn't add up. But I, you know, a lot of people say that, and and here's how I feel. Um, yes, I would love to see him speak out more, but uh, I trust him, uh, and I regard him, and I think I I think he knows what he's doing. I think we will hear from him when when the time is right. Okay, uh, I'm praying. I'm praying it's because he can't right now because. I know I want him to run in 24. Uh, I don't want this. I mean, this is three more years of, of you know, I, I say you better go Joe, okay? Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to trust him and put my faith in him. I think that he has our backs. I believe wholeheartedly that if you were going to hurt Donald Trump, this is how you would do it. Other than hurting his children, I think. His supporters mean a lot to him, and I think that this is this is breaking his heart. Yeah. Well, I... I... Let's see what he Six. I'm sorry, what? Let's see what he says on January 6th. He's going to make a statement. So let's hope that he makes a good one. Yeah, he's going to have a press conference uh, in Mar-a-Lago January 6th. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Well, one more time before we let you go, because I know you got a lot going on. The website is patriotfreedomproject.com. I just put it on my Facebook page. I don't know how long they'll let it stay up there. Um, but Cynthia Hughes, um, Godspeed to you and God bless you for all you're doing. And, uh, please let us know when, when you want to come back on, on the Doc Washburn show. Um, you know, I, I wish that every nationally syndicated, uh, radio talk show in America, uh, would, would have you on because, uh, this is just as important as anything else going on in our country as far as I'm concerned. 
Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And uh, and I thank you for having me. I hope I get to come back. You have me back anytime. You have time for me. And uh, God bless you, Doc. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you, Cynthia Hughes, PatriotFreedomProject.com. God bless you. Uh, Merry Christmas, and we'll talk with you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow. There it is. There it is. I could easily, easily be one of those guys. If I'd had a couple of days off from my uh, local radio talk show in Little Rock, Arkansas, and had gotten up there to Washington, D.C. to uh, attend the Trump rally, and then walked back to the Capitol after President Trump said, hey, let's everybody go over there and, you know, protest peacefully. And by the time I got there, the barricades were down and there were no signs. And hundreds of people were just walking across the lawn there at the Capitol, not even going in, not even going in the building. And next thing I know, federal agents breaking my door down at 5.30 in the morning, having done geofencing on my cell phone, if you know what that is, could have easily been arrested 11 months ago and still be languishing in jail. Being forced to go days without a shower. Uh, Not allowed a haircut or shave. Uh, not allowed a visit from a chaplain, no religious services. Uh, put in solitary from time to time. Uh, let out sometimes to exercise for a couple of hours a day, but having my cell locked so I couldn't use the bathroom. That could easily be me. Easily. I bet you didn't know that, did you? That uh, a lot of these people who were arrested didn't even go inside the building because it was against the law to be on the Capitol grounds that day. But federal agents had taken down the barricades and the signs before the speech was even over. So the first entrance to the Capitol grounds that the people coming back from the speech would see was the one where all the barricades and the signs had been taken down by federal agents. The one guy, we read the, this story from revolver.news the other day, the one guy, after commandeering, after uh, being in charge of getting all the barricades and the signs out of the way, he's the guy with a bullhorn who got on top of the, uh, the scaffolding right there outside the, uh, the Capitol urging people to get into the Capitol building. Didn't even, didn't even try to hide his face. There's There are plenty of pictures of him, plenty of videos of him. Why hasn't that guy been arrested? Why isn't Ray Epps, the guy in the evening of January 5th and then all morning long, January 6th, got to get into the Capitol, got to get, get into the Capitol. The FBI knows who he is. He was one of the ringleaders. They're not going to arrest him because it's a setup. 
It's a setup by the feds is what it is. It wasn't an insurrection. It was a fedsurrection. Now, our guest, Cynthia Hughes. Our guest, Cynthia Hughes, mentioned the wonderful Julie Kelly over at American Greatness. Now, Ms. Kelly has a new article out I want to share with you called Was the FBI's Governor Whitmer chicanery a warm-up for January 6th? And I'll share that with you in a moment. But let me remind you, we got to push back against the communists. And in 2009, when the Democrats shoved Obamacare down our throats, in my humble opinion, that was communism. They wanted to do whatever they could to enable the federal government to take over more and more and more of our private lives. Okay? You remember. So let me ask you. Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you need to go to a website called myfamilyhealthplan.com. First thing you'll see, big bold letters, affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, and no copays. Well, by the time you see all that, you're going to want to hit the button right below it, which says schedule call now. Schedule call now. That hooks you up with my buddy Art Wilborn. You get your free consultation with Art. He'll make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Your health coverage is personalized. Unlike the cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all from Obamacare, you won't have to cover stuff which would violate your deeply held religious beliefs, no abortion, any of that kind of stuff, and no gaps in your coverage. The website, again, is MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, let's look at this. Julie Kelly over at amgreatness.com was the FBI's Whitmer chicanery, a warm-up for January 6th. Subtitle, by removing three dirty cops from the witness list, the Justice Department hopes to prevent any cross-examination during the trial and one supposes any link to January 6th. Oh, really? Here we go. As questions mount about the government's animating role in the Capitol protests on January 6th, 
the criminal case against the man charged with conspiring to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer in 2020 continues to collapse. Defense attorney in the Whitmer case are carefully compiling evidence that depicts an elaborate role of FBI entrapment. At least a dozen FBI informants were involved in the failed plot, equaling one FBI asset per each defendant. FBI agents handling the informants directed every move. The FBI agents funded training and reconnaissance trips and even organized a so-called national militia conference in Ohio in June 2020 to lure potential accomplices. Several men were arrested in October 2020 when the lead informant drove them to meet an undercover FBI agent to purchase munitions, the six-month-long scheme's dramatic conclusion. News of the shocking plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan made national headlines as early voting was already underway in Michigan. Joe Biden, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and the media blamed Donald Trump for inciting an attempted domestic terror attack. Sound familiar? Julie Kelly says, as I explained in an October column, the plan to abduct Governor Whitmer, who had a very public feud with Trump throughout 2020, originated from something called Operation Cold Snap, an undercover multi-state FBI spy ring intended ostensibly to surveil militia groups opposed to states' lockdown policies. Henrik Impola, one of the FBI special agents managing the Governor Whitmer kidnapping plan, confirmed the existence of Operation Cold Snap in sworn testimony earlier this year. Impola told a judge in March from the FBI through the Domestic Terrorism Operations Center I was aware of other FBI investigations in Baltimore and Milwaukee and Cincinnati and Indiana involving other militia members. Impola's role in the Whitmer caper, in fact, stemmed from his work as a case agent for Operation Cold Snap. The 11-year Bureau veteran has spent his entire FBI career investigating counterterrorism, including what he calls militia extremism, which enabled him to designate the Wolverine Watchmen, a Facebook group with no real organization, coincidentally formed just months before the sting, as a terror enterprise to justify the government's central involvement in rigging the kidnapping scheme. FBI agent Henrik Impola, working out of a satellite office in Flint, Michigan, that reports to Michigan's only FBI field office in Detroit, was deeply involved in every facet of the Governor Whitmer kidnapping plot. His testimony is crucial to persuading a jury that the men on trial conspired to abduct Governor Whitmer from her vacation home last year. But Impola will not testify during the trial scheduled to begin on March 8th. 
The judge overseeing the case delayed the original November trial date after defense attorneys requested more time to investigate the government's informants and agents. BuzzFeed News, of all places, reported over the weekend that FBI agents Henrik Impola won't be on the government's witness list after defense attorneys accused him of perjury in another case. In fact, the Justice Department notified the court on Friday that all three of the top FBI agents in charge of the Whitmer investigation, including Impola, will not testify on behalf of the government amid accusations of misconduct, domestic abuse charges, and political bias. Jason Chambers, who worked side-by-side with Agent Impola throughout the sting, was caught running a consulting business and anonymously publicizing his side gig on social media. Over the summer, defense attorneys, citing a separate BuzzFeed report, accused Chambers of using a troll account to hint that something big was coming out of Michigan. The troll account purportedly belonged to the CEO of X-Intel, a cyber intelligence firm owned by none other than Jason Chambers. Defense attorneys wrote in an August filing, the evidence documented in the BuzzFeed story suggests that Special Agent Chambers used the investigation to promote his company and its services. Now, Chambers' moonlighting not only shows a personal motive in coordinating the kidnapping ruse, it also calls into question the integrity of the FBI's top informant who kept in nearly hourly contact with Chambers and Impola for more than six months. Defense counsel still want to know whether the informant knew of Chambers' side business. And Michigan wasn't Chambers and his informant's only target. The pair conspired to entrap another man, a disabled Vietnam veteran from Virginia, into devising a plan to assassinate Virginia Governor Ralph Northam before the 2020 election. Chambers instructed his informant, quote, the mission is to kill the government specifically, unquote. Huh, that plot failed to materialize. But it would be hard to find a bigger lowlife in the Governor Whitmer kidnapping case than the lead agent who not only has been removed from the witness list, but fired from the FBI, which is a nearly impossible feat. Have you heard about this guy? Richard Trask, the agent who signed the criminal complaint against the six federal defendants in Michigan, was arrested last summer himself. The FBI agent arrested last summer for drunkenly assaulting his wife, after the couple attended a swingers party at a local hotel. Police body cam footage released this week shows the inside of Richard Trask's Kalamazoo home, including a bedsheet stained with blood. Trask's wife told officers her husband hit her against a nightstand multiple times in the early hours of July 18th, causing a laceration and strangulation marks on her neck. She said Trask choked her out. Inebriated, wearing no shirt, and with blood on the side of his face, Trask was arrested about 4.15 in the morning on one count of assault. He was not asked to take a breathalyzer test or charged with driving under the influence despite clear indication. So that next Monday, Trask pleaded no contest 
a county judge in Kalamazoo County, Michigan, sentenced him to time served. He had spent two nights in jail after his arrest and to pay court costs. That's it? That's it? FBI agent, no less. An investigation by a Grand Rapids television station also unearthed Richard Trask's anti-Trump rants on social media. One post, dated March 28, 2020, called Trump a piece of blank president and said he hoped Trump would burn in hell for his response to the pandemic. Trask posted the message just as the FBI concocted kidnapping scheme was taking off. Assistant U.S. Attorney Andrew Burge notified the court on December 17th the government does not plan to call Impola, Chambers, or Trask as witnesses. The government requests the court exclude evidence relating to Exintel, the unfounded allegations against Special Agent Impola and Richard Trask's domestic assault charges or alleged social media posts. So, by removing the three dirty cops from the witness list, the Justice Department hopes to prevent any cross-examination during the trial. Defense attorneys, however, are not deterred. And the government has another major headache on its hands. A detailed chart attached to a new defense filing lists nearly 260 texts, group chat messages, and audio recordings proving extensive planning and coordination between FBI agents and their confidential sources. The communications, according to defense counsel, also show the would-be kidnappers pushed back on the FBI's plan on several occasions. Quote, The agents here drove the informant's communications with the defendants, and the agents shaped the informant's assertions, statements, and claims. The agents monitored the CHS conversations, confidential human source conversations, and other communications with the defendants, and not only approved them, but used the information they gathered from them to direct further activity. After monitoring the communications, FBI agents paid the lead informant with an envelope filled with cash. When the same informant reported to the FBI he was making no progress, the FBI continued to push its plan. Well, looks like the agents should be the ones uh, being indicted here. Prosecutors have downplayed the communications as hearsay and insist they're not admissible in court, but the defense undoubtedly has much more in its arsenal. If the prosecution completely falls apart, either before March or during the trial, the outcome would deliver a huge blow to the already collapsing narrative about January 6th at the Capitol. The two events are inextricably tied with numerous intersections, not the least of which is that the head of the FBI's Detroit field office, Steve D'Antuono, was promoted to run the FBI field office in Washington, D.C., one week after the arrests in the Governor Whitmer plot were announced. That's the same FBI office running the Bureau's capital investigation. If the Whitmer trial proceeds, even without the caper's top FBI masterminds, it would provide an illuminating backdrop to the first trials of January 6th defendants in 2022. 
Was Operation Cold Snap the launching pad for both the Governor Whitmer kidnapping plot and the U.S. Capitol protests on January 6th? The American people cannot and should not ignore the similarities. I don't know if anybody else doing a national talk show shares with you the brilliant reporting that Julie Kelly and American Greatness is coming up with. Because I can't listen to everything all the time because I'm always doing show prep, trying to get ready for my next show. But what I do know is that we do. We share with you what's going on. So, I just, uh, I don't ever want to be in a position where people say, hey, Doc, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you tell us? That's why I'm not a normal person. I'm looking for stuff to share with you all the time. Okay, now part of the description for today, for today's show, for episode 51, part of the description is why did Dementia Joe yell at the press yesterday? Now, it's remarkable. I remember how excited we all were at my local talk radio station in Little Rock, Arkansas, when we were allowed to pick up Fox News Radio at the top and bottom of the hour. But then eventually, we all realized that they're about as liberal as... Any other radio news we'd had to put up with. We'd had Westwood One before that, which is part of Cumulus Media. And uh, they decided, well, Westwood One wasn't making enough money, so they basically brought Westwood One News to a close. And we'd had CBS News on our local station before that. And, of course, they're they're also pretty liberal. So when you get Fox News Radio, you're like, hey, finally. Finally, a counterbalance to all this liberalism, all right? Wrong. Wrong. And one of, the re- one of the ways you know it is because horrendous stuff happens with Biden all the time, and they don't report on it. They don't report on it. Like yesterday, when he does his... Uh, this little COVID scare deal, his little COVID press conference there. And he starts yelling at the media. Now, why did he do it? Well, I think it's a cross between frustration that his lies aren't working, that he's not getting what he wants on the one hand, and the dementia on the other hand. They say that uh, outbursts, like the one you're getting ready to hear, 
are pretty common with dementia patients. So check it out. This is from yesterday. Have you heard about this anywhere on the news? But look what's in, look, look what's in Go Back Better. Child care. You can reduce it by up to 70%. That'll be the difference between 20 million women who go on back in the worst force being able to go back if you pass it. We're talking about, about health care. Insulin. In a system, we got, we got 200,000 kids with type 1 diabetes. You know what it's costing? It costs somewhere between $0.10 cents and $10 to come up with a formula. Okay? A while ago. Right? You know what it's costing on average? $560, a, $640 a month. Okay, he's the guy. Joe Biden is the guy that yanked up the price of insulin as soon as he got into office. Now he's now he's pretending that, that, that this is somebody else's fault. You remember what he did as soon as he got into office? He killed Donald Trump's executive order to lower insulin costs as soon as he got into office. And now he's acting like this is somebody else's fault. Now, you can blame the dementia if you want, but he knows. He knows what he did. And he's angry now that insulin costs are up, even though he's the guy that did it. Now, there's a thing about con artists, and that is this. Never give up the con. Always double down. Never give up the con. And that's exactly what he's doing here. Up to $1,000 a month. What do you do if your mom and a dad? Oh, gear, the, the yelling's about to start. Working with minimum wage, busting your neck. You look at your kid, and you know if you don't get that vaccine for him, that, excuse me, if you don't get that drug for him, if you don't get that, 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 that be able to take that. Here he goes. What happens? Otherwise, he's going to coma, maybe die. Not only do you put the kid's life at stake, you strip away all the dignity of a parent looking at their child. I'm not joking about this. Imagine being a parent looking at a child and you can't afford. You have no house to borrow against. You have no savings. It's wrong. See, he thinks he's a great actor. Now, the reporters are standing there going, why are you mad at us? Why are you yelling at us? Why are you getting angry at us? He's an actor. He's an actor complaining about the price of insulin when he's the one who threw out President Trump's executive order bringing down the price of insulin. But all the things in that bill are going to reduce prices and costs for middle class and working class people. Now, that's a lie, of course. The more trillions you spend, the more inflation goes up, and inflation is much worse the less money you have. But I don't care if he knows that or not. I don't have any idea if he's too stupid to realize it or just lying about it intentionally because the effect is the same. 
the effect is the same. All right, it's time to play shot and chaser with Joe Biden. Here's a shot. As I said before, I'll shut down the virus. That was his promise when he was running for president. I'll shut down the virus. Okay, here's the chaser. For unvaccinated, we are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated. For themselves, their families, and the hospital, they'll soon overwhelm. Merry Christmas. Dementia Joe wishes a death and heartache on you. The guy who promised he'd shut down the uh, the vaccine instead of the economy. What a liar. What a liar. Now, Biden yesterday was asked a question about the truckers, the trucking industry, petitioning the Supreme Court to repeal Biden's vaccine mandate because the truckers said it's going to harm the supply chain recovery. Let's see how that question went. The trucking industry okay. petitioning Supreme Court to repeal your vaccine mandate. They think that it's going to harm the supply chain recovery. What do you say? I say no. Thank you. So, the truckers think the vaccine mandate is going to harm the supply chain recovery. What do you say? And Biden says, I say no. Oh, okay. Well, you show them. The CEO of the American Trucking Association said Biden's vaccine mandate would be catastrophic. 37% of the drivers not only said no, but hell no to the mandate. Here you go. When we're talking about how the drivers would uh, feel about a, ma- a vaccine mandate, what, what, what kind of reactions are you getting from them on that, just all of them required for a vaccine to do business. Yeah, I, I want to be clear and qualify this, that this isn't about being pro or anti-vax for us. Um, you know, we're been, we've been moving the vaccine, PPE and test kits. So this is uh, something our industry is very forward-leaning on. Uh, but in our sample survey of our fleets, uh, it, it came back as 37% of our drivers not only said no, but hell no. Now, let's just take a conservative number. Let's just say 3.7%, not 37%, were to actually leave rather than get the vaccine. That'd be catastrophic. We're already short 80,000. That's going to inflate to a quarter million. So for us, you know, we've tried to be very clear with the administration that if you do this, I understand the logic behind it, but if you do this, these are the consequences. So if you're trying to solve the supply chain problem, You know, you're actually compounding it and actually hurting the very problem that you're trying to fix on the vaccine side. So, you know, be careful what you wish for here. Uh, I also don't think, Congressman, that OSHA has the jurisdiction to do this. They don't. They don't have the jurisdiction to do this. But Biden, or should I say his handlers, they don't care. They're not about law and order. They're not about the Constitution. They're communists. 
and they're about might makes right. And that's what's up. That's what's going on. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I was thinking today, I don't know how this came to mind. There's a guy named Ben Stein. He used to have a TV show called Ben Stein's Money. He was a teacher in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Bueller, Bueller. And he has been a wonderful conservative columnist for many, many years. And it dawned on me this morning, you know what? I wonder if Ben Stein is still writing columns. I haven't read anything by him in years for some reason. So I did a little internet search for the name Ben Stein. And sure enough, he's still writing over the American Spectator. Ben Stein's diary, the latest one called Mass Murder by Mail. Subtitle, it's official, the USA is opposed to human life. And it begins Saturday, a dreary, depressing day, even though the sun is shining brightly in Beverly Hills. I'll tell you why in a nutshell. The FDA has approved an abortion drug to be sold by mail across the USA. This is literally the sale of a murder weapon by mail. If medical science has proved anything at all over the last 20 years, it is that a baby fetus is a human being. He or she can feel pain. Can you imagine the pain of being ground up in an abortion surgery? Can you imagine the pain of a tiny baby being poisoned? How can anyone think this is humane human behavior? In what way does it differ from a nationwide mass murder? The only way I can think of is that fetuses cannot vote. And there lies the key to everything. Once human beings in America have the vote, all the kingdoms of earth are open to them. But fetuses cannot vote. They're like the Jews of Germany who lost all rights of citizenship in 1934. After that, they were sitting ducks. So it is with babies in America now. So we now have an America that is explicitly anti-human life. Incredibly sad. Second, the laws are simply not enforced any longer here in America. Wild people can steal burn, loot, kill, and there's no law enforcement against them. This is in the name of civil rights, but no possible reading of the Constitution allows people of any race to commit crimes without law enforcement. We have a wicked new understanding of law in America, and it terrifies me. Third, the media is making up a vile set of lies against Donald Trump Specifically, that he is an anti-Semite because he protected Israel. He stands up for the Jewish state far more than the Democrats, and that somehow makes him an anti-Semite because the cool people say that 
Israel is somehow magically, in an evil lie, a racist state against Jewish principles? This is worse than just plain politics. This is sick. The notion that Donald Trump, the most pro-Jewish president ever, is anti-Jewish is the work of people who should be in treatment, and serious treatment of that. Fourth, why did we get all those shots if they don't work against COVID? And why do so many people get violently ill when they get the booster? Something's going on that's not sound. Or is it the end of days when the virus defeats the humans? Time to wake up, America. Yes, it is. That's Ben Stein, the wonderful Ben Stein from the American, from the American Spectator. And the article is entitled Mass Murder by Mail. Yes, indeed, time to wake up, America. Now, the British Medical Journal has sent an open letter to Mark Zuckerberg, creator of the Facebook. Dear Mark Zuckerberg, we are Fiona Godley and Cameron Abbasi, editors of the British Medical Journal, one of the world's oldest and most influential general medical journals. We are writing to raise serious concerns about the so-called fact-checking being undertaken by third-party providers on behalf of Facebook. In September, a former employee of Ventavia, a contract research company helping carry out the main Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine trial, began providing the British Medical Journal with dozens of of internal company documents, photos, audio recordings, and emails. These materials revealed a host of poor clinical trial research practices occurring at Ventavia that could impact data integrity and patient safety. We also discovered that despite receiving a direct complaint about these problems over a year ago, the FDA did not inspect Ventavia's trial sites. British Medical Journal commissioned an investigative reporter to write up the story for our journal. The article was published on November 2nd. Following legal review, external peer review, and subject to the British Medical Journal's usual high-level editorial oversight and review. But from November 10th, readers began reporting a variety of problems when trying to share our article. Some reported being unable to share it. Many others reported having their posts flagged with a warning about missing context. Independent fact-checkers say this information could mislead people. Those trying to post the article were informed by Facebook that people who repeatedly share so-called false information might have their posts moved lower in Facebook's news feed. Group administrators where the article was shared, received messages from Facebook informing them that such posts were partly false. Readers are directed to a fact check performed by a Facebook contractor named Lead Stories. 
We find the fact check performed by lead stories to be inaccurate, incompetent, and irresponsible. It fails to provide any assertions of fact that the British Medical Journal article got wrong. It has a nonsensical title, Fact Check, the British Medical Journal did not reveal disqualifying and ignored reports of flaws in Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine trials. That's a nonsensical title. The first paragraph inaccurately labels the British Medical Journal as a news blog. It contains a screenshot of our article with a stamp over it stating, Flaws Reviewed despite the lead story's article not identifying anything false or untrue in the British Medical Journal article. It published the story on its website under a URL that contains the phrase hoax alert. We have contacted lead stories, but they refuse to change anything about their article or actions that have led to Facebook flagging our article. We have also contacted Facebook directly, requesting immediate removal of the fact-checking label and any link to the lead stories article, thereby allowing our readers to freely share the article on your platform. There's also a wider concern that we wish to raise. We're aware that the British Medical Journal is not the only high-quality information provider to have been affected by the incompetence of Facebook's fact-checking regime. To give one other example, we would highlight the treatment by Instagram, also owned by Facebook, of Cochrane, the international provider of high-quality systematic reviews of the medical evidence, rather than investing a proportion of Facebook's substantial profits to help ensure the accuracy of medical information shared through social media, you have apparently delegated responsibility to people incompetent in carrying out this crucial task. Fact-checking has been a staple of good journalism for decades. What has happened in this instance should be of concern to anyone who values and relies on sources such as the British Medical Journal. We hope you'll act swiftly, specifically to correct the error relating to the British Medical Journal's article and to review the processes that led to the error and generally to reconsider your investment in an approach to fact-checking overall. Best wishes, Fiona Godley, Editor-in-Chief, Kamran Abbasi, Incoming Editor-in-Chief, the British Medical Journal. Okay, so they published that early last month. Oh, no, wait, I apologize. We got two different dates on here. December 17th, not November 2nd. It couldn't be November 2nd because they're referring to stuff after that, December 17th. All right, so uh, Gillian McKeith, a television presenter, and the UK has linked to this on a tweet. She says, open letter from the British Medical Journal editors of Mark Zuckerberg raising serious concerns about censorship and the fact-checking, so-called, being undertaken by third-party providers on behalf of Facebook. Now, Sean Davis, co-founder of The Federalist, says, this organization called Lead Stories is funded by communist China and big tech. It does not exist to check facts or publish journalism. It exists entirely to censor facts that are inconvenient to communist China and corrupt big tech oligarchs. Sean Davis of the Federalist continues. Understand what is happening here. These so-called fact-checkers are not independent third parties. They are directed 
and paid by Facebook and China to deplatform accurate and factual content that reflects poorly on whatever garbage narrative is being peddled by the ruling regime. There you go. There you go. That's what's up. I just thought I should let you know. I just thought I should let you know. Because that's what we try to do here. You know? We try to let you know what's going on. And there is. There is a lot going on. Dr. Afzai, pardon me, Dr. Afzal Niaz, physician and researcher at King Edward Hospital, says what COVID-19 is exposed in America's healthcare system is the federal government, pharmaceutical and insurance companies hold the reins on what care hospital administrators can offer. They never looked at your chart, but have a say in your treatment. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? And that's a shame. That's a shame. But that's what's going on, I believe. I believe. Now, I got a, I got a lot of uh, competitors for Tweet of the Day today. There's a lot going on. But, but we're about at the point where Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think yeah. I I think this is yeah, this this is the one we gotta do. This is yeah, it's it's that time. It's that time. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show tweet of the day. All right, all right, all right. Brought to you by Red River Your Way, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA, the beliefs of freedom, including the freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to online and have it delivered to your door, redriveryourway.com. The tweet of the day, this is from the great Jim Benson, conservative Christian American who believes in the American dream, pro-life and, and believer in the right to free speech. Jim Benson, who announces on today's tweet of the day, oh, I forgot to share the good news. I got good news via Nigeria, that a wealthy man randomly decided to leave me millions upon his death. All I have to do now is give the executor my banking account information so he can deposit the money in my account. I'm rich! So, I mean, I just... uh, 
I found that humorous. Also, one of the responses, a guy said, not you as well. (laughs) Another one said, awesome. I have a tent and camping equipment you can borrow until you get back on your feet. (laughs) Another one said, hey, I got a $10 million bonanza from the same wealthy Nigerian All I need to do is give them $125 for processing. What a great deal. Kind of reminds me of the CDC and World Health Organization and their promise. And Jim Benson says, Christmas has come early to us both. How about that? How about that? Another response. Cool. I had the famous Bitcoin trader, Willie Wu, reach out to me directly online and offer to help me with my Bitcoin investments. All I had to do was send him screenshots of my accounts and password. He's such a great guy. Yeah, Drew. Another one says, weird. I sent the guy in Nigeria all my information, and he assured me I was the only candidate in the running. I hope... You don't try to do an end run around my deal. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This is great stuff. This is great stuff. Well, no, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have a sense of humor. You know what I'm saying? You gotta have a sense of humor about it. That's your tweet of the day brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, the big old car dealership in the middle of America that believes in freedom, including including your freedom to buy car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online and have it delivered to you online. All right. Now, that having been said, You know, you've heard about how crazy things are in Australia, the lockdowns and everything. So we got a video here of people sitting in their cars in Australia who do not have symptoms, but they're waiting eight hours to get tested in Adelaide, Australia. It's like this. Um, seven and a half hours. Seven and a half hours. So we got here at quarter to 11 last night. Literally all night. <laughs> we got here, got here about 11 o'clock last night. In shuffling along. They're cult members. They have been, um, they have been hypnotized, brainwashed. It's insane. Now, This video I'm looking at here, is this actually the CEO of Pfizer on a World Economic Forum stage describing how pills can now have chips in them to ensure the patient's compliance can be checked? Is that that possibly what this is? Let's check it out. There's a girl who's giving some commentary before she goes to the clip. Uh, stuff that used to sound like conspiracy theories that is really happening today. The World Economic Forum, the Pfizer CEO, admits to these frightening advancements in artificial 
intelligence. There's no guarantee that the patient is going to take the drug, <clears throat> wear the device. So how are you thinking about technology to engage the patient? Again, maybe I will use an example. I think uh, it's fascinating what's happening in this field right now. I mean, FDA approved the first uh, electronic pill, if I can call it like that. So it is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, it sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, compliance. Uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in, in uh, this field. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of messed up. That's kind of messed up, but no, nothing surprised me to these people anymore. Nothing surprised me with these people anymore. Uh, by the way, By the way, I need to let you know a little bit more about uh, Fauci and his supposed boss, Francis Collins, uh, the outgoing head of the NIH. Alexandros Marinos, founder and CEO of Balina, with a whole bunch of followers out there on Twitter, has a thread here. We know now that Fauci and Collins colluded with members of the media to drive the pandemic narrative on several occasions. And they link to... He links to Martin Koldorf, epidemiologist. And the Wall Street Journal opinion how Fauci and Collins shut down COVID debate. They worked with the media to trash the Great Barrington Declaration. We got to look at this. We got to look at this. The editorial board, Wall Street Journal, came out with this last night. In public, Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins urged Americans to, quote, follow the science, unquote. In private, the two sainted public health officials schemed to quash dissenting views from top scientists. That's the troubling but fair conclusion from emails obtained recently via the Freedom of Information Act by the American Institute for Economic Research. The tale unfolded October 2020 after the launch of the Great Barrington Declaration, a statement by Harvard's Martin Koldorf, Oxford's Sunetra Gupta, and Stanford's J. Bhattacharya against blanket pandemic lockdowns. They favored a policy of what they called focused protection of high-risk populations such as the elderly or those with medical conditions. Thousands of scientists signed the Great Barrington Declaration if they were able to learn about it. Wall Street Journal says we tried to give us some elevation in these pages. That didn't please the lockdown consensus enforced by public health officials in the press. Dr. Collins, director of the National Institutes of Health, until last Sunday, sent an email on October 8, 2020, to Dr. Fauci, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. 
Dr. Collins wrote in his email, this proposal from the three fringe epidemiologists seems to be getting a lot of attention and even a co-signature from Nobel Prize winner Mike Levitt at Stanford. There needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises. Is it underway? Now, these researchers were not fringe and neither was their opposition to quarantining society. But in the panic over the virus, these two voices of science, Fauci and Collins, used their authority to stigmatize dissenters and crush debate. A week after his email, Dr. Collins spoke to the Washington Post about the Great Barrington Declaration. He said, this is a fringe component of epidemiology. This is not a mainstream science. It's dangerous. His message spread, and the alternative strategy was dismissed in most precincts. Dr. Fauci replied to Dr. Collins that the takedown was underway. An article in Wired magazine, a tech news site, denied there was any scientific divide and argued lockdowns were a straw man. They weren't coming back anyway. Well, if only that were true. The next month, cases rose and restrictions returned. Dr. Fauci also emailed an article from The Nation, a left-wing magazine, and his staff sent him several more. The emails suggest a feedback loop. The media cited Dr. Fauci as an unquestionable authority, and Dr. Fauci got his talking points from the media. Facebook censored mentions of the Great Barrington Declaration. This is how groupthink works. On CBS, just last month, Dr. Fauci said Republicans who criticize him are really criticizing science because I represent science. That's dangerous. Well, guess what? Dr. Fauci is not science, and it's also dangerous for scientific officials to mobilize to quash dissent without which it's easy to make tragic mistakes. A scientific debate over pandemic policy was and still is in the public interest, especially during a -a once-in-a-century plague. Focused protection of nursing homes and other high-risk populations remains the policy road not taken during the pandemic. Perhaps the strategy wouldn't have prevailed if a debate had been allowed, but it isn't enough to repeat, as Dr. Collins did on Fox News Sunday, that advocates are, quote, fringe epidemiologists who really did not have the credentials, unquote, and that, quote, hundreds of thousands of people would have died if we had followed that strategy, unquote. More than 800,000 Americans have died as much of the country followed the strategy of doctors Collins and Fauci. And that's not counting the other costs in lost livelihoods, shuttered businesses, untreated illnesses, mental illness from isolation, and the incalculable anguish of seeing loved ones die alone without the chance for a family to say goodbye. Rather than try to manipulate public opinion, the job of health officials is to offer their best scientific advice. They shouldn't act like politicians or censors, and when they do, they squander the public's trust. So that's a Wall Street Journal article, how Fauci and Collins shut down the COVID debate. And it's linked to by Martin Kaldorf, one of the main signers of the Barrington Declaration. So, so, Alexandros Marinos, where we started on Twitter, says, we know the Fauci and Collins colluded with members of the media to drive the pandemic narrative on several occasions when they tried to shut down the Great Barrington Declaration, when they tried to shut down the lab leak 
hypothesis. Remember this? Who killed the lab leak hypothesis? Jeremy Farrar got news of the outbreak early. He handpicked experts to advise world leaders and made sure institutions spoke as one by saying there was no leak, the virus emerged naturally. On the last day of 2019, the head of China's CDC called him. As he described to Alan Rusbridger, an old friend called George Fu Gao, now head of China's CDC, called him to tell him of a cluster of lung infections in a city in China and that they knew it wasn't SARS. George Gao and Jeremy Farrar go way back. They did their PhDs in Oxford in the early 90s, where they stayed until about 2004. They both had funding by the Wellcome Trust, which Farrar now heads. Besides working on SARS, they have published on avian flu. The same day as that call, Farrar tweeted that the news was worrying, but he trusted the Chinese CDC. On January 10th, 2020 tweeted again, warning investigators and journals about clear responsibilities of withholding information. Yeah. He said, if rumors of publications on the Wuhan pneumonia situation are being prepared and submitted to Nature Magazine and New England Journal of Medicine are true and that critical public health information is not being shared immediately with the World Health Organization, something is very wrong. Oh, really? Alexandrios Marinos continues, about 12 hours later, Jeremy Farrar, the sequence of SARS-CoV-2 was released by Eddie Holmes, who got the okay from Professor Zhang Yongjin, whose team had done the sequencing. It's unclear what was said on the phone, but it worked. While we don't know if Jeremy Farrar's tweet and the release were linked, we know Farrar and Holmes Go a long way back also. Holmes was in Oxford from the early 90s until 2004, had significant funding from the Wellcome Group, and they've published many papers together since. Holmes goes even further back with Gao of China. They've been publishing together for 25 years, and Holmes is even a guest professor at China's CDC in Beijing since 2014. In the released emails of Anthony Fauci, Jeremy Forar appears on the first available day, January 31st, 2020, and the infamous back and forth where Christian Anderson wrote, Eddie, Bob, Mike, and myself all find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. In other words, it didn't happen naturally. The group of Eddie Holmes, Bob Gary, Mike Farzan is part of an expert group Fauci would later describe as led by Jeremy Farrar. In Fauci's words, this is not my area of expertise, so I've backed off and am leaving it all to Jeremy. Anderson Holmes, Gary, as well as welcome-funded Andrew Rambot and Ian Lipkin would go on to write the proximal origin of SARS-CoV-2 in Nature magazine, which concluded that, quote, we do not believe that any type of laboratory-based scenario is plausible, unquote. Interestingly, in a recent statement to the UK Daily Mail, Jeremy Farrar's office said he convened the five researchers but stepped back once the researchers were introduced. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Just like Fauci steps back. None of them step back. The fifth author, Ian Lipkin, is director of the Columbia Center for Infection and Immunity, special advisor to the Chinese Ministry of Science and Technology since 2003 with a 2016 Science and Technology Cooperation Award and, and 
recipient of a People's Republic of China 70th Anniversary Medal awarded January 7th, 2020. Something of a maverick, Ian Lipkin has been praised by Fauci, whose agency Lipkin is part of for his skill in finding viruses in 2011. Late January 2020, Lipkin was in China after having heard about the outbreak in mid-December and contacting George Fu Gao. According to the author, Bob Gary, the draft of the Origins paper was complete on February 1st, 2020, as mentioned in the This Week in Virology podcast released on May 29, 2021. That same day, February 1st there was a, of 2020, there was a teleconference arranged by Jeremy Farrar where the work of Anderson, Holmes, and presumably the other authors of the Origins paper was pre- presented for discussion to an auspicious group. Science leaders from U.S., U.K., Netherlands, and Germany. Fauci, head of NIAID, and Collins, head of NIH, represented the U.S. Jeremy Farrar, Ferguson, and Schreier were the top three at Wellcome Trust. Patrick Valance is the chief scientific advisor to the U.K. government. Uh, Fouchier and Koopmans from Netherlands. Drosten and Pullman from Germany. Valance, Jeremy Farrar, Neil Ferguson, and Rambot were all part of SAGE, the U.K. government's scientific advisory group for emergencies. Rambot, alongside Anderson, Holmes, and Gary, would co-author the Nature Medicine paper entitled Proximal Origins of SARS-CoV-2. After the call, Jeremy Farrar, Anthony Fauci, and Francis Collins have a debrief and discuss a follow-up with World Health Organization Director General Tedros. Collins writes, Hi, Jeremy. Thank you for your leadership on this critical and sensitive issue. And Fauci concurs, We really appreciate what you're doing here. The group exchanged additional emails, and on February 2nd, Farrar was indicating he was waiting for the World Health Organization to make a decision on something very soon. February 4th, Jeremy Farrar forwards a summary of the work with a note from Holmes that he did not mention other anomalies quote, as this will make us look like loons, unquote. Jeremy Farrar closes, quote, pushing World Health Organization again today, unquote. By February 5th, everyone seems aligned. Jeremy Farrar reports to Fauci and Collins that the World Health Organization have listened and acted. They discuss names for World Health Organization group to look into the origins and evolution of the virus, which is likely this group that he links to here. Also on February 3rd, the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy asked the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine to convene a meeting of experts to address the unknowns, respond to both the outbreak and any resulting misinformation. It's unclear how the experts were picked because the conflicts were deep. Peter Dajak was directly involved with the funding and has extensive publishing history with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, as does Ralph Barrick. Stanley Perelman is a long-term collaborator with Barrick. Trevor Bedford was long prior publishing history with Rambot and Anderson, who were in the February 1st meeting, was part of the public conversation and seemed to be using similar arguments to them. Anderson was also part of the group. The remaining experts don't seem conflicted. After discussion, the first draft of their response includes this footnote. Quote, 
possibly add brief explanation that this does not preclude an unintentional release from a laboratory studying the evolution of related coronaviruses, unquote. Somehow the final version does not mention that footnote. Okay. Now, Alina Chan, postdoctoral researcher at the Broad Institute of MIT and Harvard, has a far deeper analysis of this document and the process led to its creation, if you want to dive deeper, but we're far enough in the weeds, I'm sure. Then, the infamous Lancet letter that came out February 19th, orchestrated by Peter Dajak, signed by Jeremy Farrar and several experts from Welcome, rife with undeclared conflicts of interest, built up on a misreading of the NASEM document. It also referred to these remarks by the Director General of the World Health Organization, who's definitely no doctor. Notably, the remarks rely heavily on uh, an article in The Guardian by Adam Kucharski, who's the author of a book that was just coming out at the time called The Rules of Contagion, Why Things Spread and Why They Stop, published again by the Welcome Collection. His research since 2017 is also funded by a Welcome Trust Fellowship, no proof but evidence. Intriguingly, on February 9th, a podcast by Newt Gingrich was released in which he interviewed both Fauci and Dajak. And the issue of conspiracy theories was high on the list. Incredibly, Dajak also predicted the virus would be gone in a year. It's clear that after February 4th, the message is clear and unambiguous and all voices are coordinated. Any implication of a lab leak while not explicitly ruled out, is implied to be a conspiracy theory. On February 7th, 2020, factcheck.org posted a science check. Oh, yeah, we got to rule that out. we got to rule that out. You know, it goes on and on and on, but someday these guys need to be indicted. The blood is on their hands. You know what I'm saying? The blood is on their hands. Now, now, we had an unfortunate situation yesterday. Biden kind of gave uh, Trump a backhanded compliment, and Trump was thrilled. I don't know if you've heard about this. But this is not a good thing. President Biden credited the Trump administration for vaccine development. This is, uh, oops, oops, I didn't mean to say it, usurper Biden. I apologize. 20 seconds long. It's for unvaccinated people. Let me be clear. Thanks to the prior administration and our scientific community, America is one of the first countries to get the vaccine. Thanks to my administration and the hard work of Americans, we led a rollout and made America among the world leaders in getting shots in arms. So he said, let me be clear. Thanks to the prior administration, our scientific community, America is one of the first countries to get the vaccine. He mentions the prior administration, okay? So President Trump tells Fox News he appreciates Biden acknowledging his COVID vaccine rollout. Quote, I'm very appreciative of that. I was surprised to hear it. I think it was a terrific thing, and I think it makes a lot of people happy. It has to be a process of healing in this country. 
Really? Really? That's uh, that's Trump's takeaway. Well, that's um, that's troubling. That's troubling. Let me uh, let me go to a couple of people a lot sharper than I am. Uh, Yossi uh, Gestetner, a great journalist, says Biden finally gave Trump credit for the COVID-19 vaccines because in recent weeks with Omicron amok, running amok, more people became aware that the vaccines are not living up to their promise from a year ago. Promises like 95% effective, dead end for spread. Sucker, Trump that he is, ate it up. Biden credited Trump for the vaccine on the day that Israel authorized a second booster for people age 60 and above. The two-shot series that was supposed to be 95% effective against severe outcome and a dead end for the spread is now at its fourth shot and masks are still needed. Yet Trump is happy. Instead of blasting Biden and Harris for undermining trust in the vaccines last year, Trump trips over himself that Biden finally gave Trump credit for the vaccine on the day that Israel announced a fourth shot and a day after Trump announced a January 6th move for two weeks from now. So Trump on getting Biden credit for the vaccine on the day convenient for Biden says it has to be a process of healing in this country, and that will help a lot. Well, healing would look more like removing charges from January 6th trespassers, not hanging an underperforming vaccine around your neck. But that's what he did. Not hanging an underperforming vaccine around your neck, but that's what he did. That's what he did. There's a guy I follow on Twitter who goes by the uh he goes by the name Defiant Baptist and he says Joe Biden is not being magnanimous here. He wants Trump to own the vaccines because they're currently failing royally. Trump is all too happy to oblige because he thinks he personally created a miracle cure and saved millions of lives. Oh boy. Yeah, that's uh, that's troubling. They're going to hang the uh, the ineffective vaccines around Trump's neck. They are. You you watch. Remember this day. Remember this day, December twenty second, twenty twenty one. By the time the primaries roll around in 2024, they're going to be blaming Trump for the vaccines not working. They're going to be blaming Trump for side effects from the vaccines. The Democrats will do that. They will do that. They have no shame. They'll do it. Look, Fauci and Burks told Trump millions of people are going to die if we didn't uh, shut everything down for a little while and if we didn't uh, you know, fast-track the vaccines. And so he did. I mean, his uh, his resume shows as a CEO, he's really good at cutting red tape. So he did. 
But what do we wind up with? What do we wind up with? That's crying shame. That's crying shame. Anyway. Oh, this this should have been this should have been an honorable mention for a tweet of the day uh, brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. This lady who goes by Tiger Lily out there on Twitter said, My friend's sister won't let him see his niece and nephew for Christmas because he's unvaccinated. So he sent the kids these gifts. LMFAO, I'm dying. And the gifts he sent, let's see. Arriving Friday... A drum set. Arriving tomorrow by 10 p.m., uh, Mr. Microphone. It's like a karaoke machine. Arriving tomorrow by 10 p.m., it's a set of, um, see, it looks like a xylophone, a tambourine, uh, maracas, a flute, <laughs> a triangle, the kind of triangle that you... Oh, man, this is funny stuff. This is funny stuff. Wow. So, the great David Reboy over there on Twitter, he has some thoughts about... um, President Trump being very appreciative and surprised that Biden thanked him and his administration for their success in making the COVID vaccines available to the public. Saying that tone and trust are critical in getting Americans vaccinated. David Reboy says they're going after him for allegedly launching a coup. And he's excited about getting some credit for the vaccine. He says, get off the stage, moron. Oh, my goodness. Well, see, I wouldn't call Trump a moron myself. But uh, this is some this is some crazy stuff. This is some crazy stuff. Somebody needs to tell Trump what they're doing to him. Wouldn't that be nice? Somebody needs to tell Trump what they're doing to him. By the way, Dr. Brent A. Williams, also on Twitter, says, you're still taking medical advice from a group of people that believed Jesse Smollett. Got it? I mean, isn't that crazy? Judy Woodruff over there at the NPR, quoting uh, Dr. Francis Collins, asked why he's leaving the NIH in the middle of a raging pandemic. Dr. Collins says after a decade, he needs to give Biden a chance to nominate a new director and adds the people leading the effort on COVID are not going anywhere. Oh, you you trust Biden to come up with a new... uh, Oh, that's great. Dr. Collins asks if there's anything he wishes NIH had done. He said, maybe we underinvested in research in human behavior. I never imagined a year ago 
there would be 60 million people who refused or declined to get the vaccine because of misinformation and disinformation. Dr. Collins adds as he steps down as director of the NIH, quote, I'm really fortunate to be someone who has both a scientific approach and a spiritual approach. I see God as the author of all that we have been given, unquote. Okay. So the great philosopher Stephen L. Miller, who goes by Red Steves on uh, Twitter, says, so we were sent by God to splice and manipulate viruses to make them more transmissible to humans? This is what I mean when I say these guys are devout. If their science kills 16 million people, they're not to be held responsible because it was also just God's will and in pursuit of a better science? Wow. Wow. Yeah, we err when we uh, blame our failings on God. And God didn't have anything to do with it. Oh, and here's Fauci. Here's Fauci. If someone in your family isn't vaccinated, should you ask them not to show up? Uh, Yes, I I would do that. I mean, I think we're dealing with a, a serious enough... Okay. It rebooted on me. Let me bring it over here. It's only 18 seconds long. Let, let, let's do this. Let's do this. If someone in your family isn't vaccinated, should you ask them not to show up? Uh, yes, I, I would do that. I mean, I think we're dealing with a, a serious enough situation right now that if there's an unvaccinated person, I would say, I'm very sorry, but not this time, maybe another time when this is all over. If well, no, family- no, 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 it's not going to be all over. They don't want it to be all over. Look, they're trying to hide stuff from you. They don't want you knowing about uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and vitamin D and vitamin C and zinc and quercetin and all that kind of stuff. They don't want you knowing about that. And for, for that matter, the best kept secret in American healthcare for years and years and years and years and years has been upper cervical care. You know, the top of your spinal column, the C1. Let me ask something. Do you have migraines? Do you have neck pain? Okay, now look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Do you naturally tilt your head to one direction or the other? Because that's how it feels normal. If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines and my neck pain. And this is best-kept secret in American healthcare. Let me tell you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, the C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, circulatory system, digestive system, and yes, even your reproductive system. It also can cause migraines and neck pain. Now, do yourself a favor, and it depends on what part of the country you're in. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. Or, 
if you're outside central Arkansas, we, we have 70% of our listeners are in the other 49 states. Go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on Find a Doctor, and try to find one close to you, and you'll be glad you did. It's helped so many people. So many people. All right, before we get out of here, uh, real quick, Tara Reed, the woman who had the credible case that Joe Biden many years ago sexually assaulted her, Tara Reed, she said a reminder that the Time's Up organization was never created to help sexual assault victims, but only created to cover for elite Democrats. It only took over a year of screaming into the void for this to be heard. Still not covered in press that while I came forward, two leaders of Time's Up were already on the Biden payroll. And she links to this. Small world. Former Time's Up chairwoman Roberta Kaplan is representing Joe Biden's daughter, Ashley, According to New York Times story by reporters Adam Goldman and Michael S. Schmidt, the details of federal investigation into how the conservative group Project Veritas acquired Ashley Biden's journal in 2020. We reached out to Kaplan's firm, Kaplan, Hecker, and Fink, to ask how long Kaplan has been working on behalf of the president's daughter, but they declined to comment. Project Veritas obtained the diary at the tail end of Biden's presidential campaign. Kaplan, a prominent progressive lawyer, resigned from Time's Up, a nonprofit that advocates for victims of sexual harassment, in August amid fallout from a report that found former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed 11 women. The report by the New York State Attorney General found Kaplan was one of several prominent figures involved in an effort to discredit one of Andrew Cuomo's alleged victims, and she had legal ties to a former Cuomo aide accused of leading that effort. Now, in the diary, Ashley Biden said when she was a little girl, she had to take showers with her father, Joe. It's disgusting. It's outrageous. But there it is. There it is. All right, y'all. I guess it's about that time. You've been listening to episode 51 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, White Hall, Arkansas, in charge of Sheriff Mansour Sempia X. Well, that's the way it is. Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021.